Boomer in the Morning is on right now. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, Calgary. Hour two of the program, and we are brought to you by Gray Wolf Golf Course, located in that spectacular setting at Panorama Mountain Resort. Whew. You name it, you got it. You like the elevation changes, you like some par threes, you like some long uh, long bombers, whatever. Oh, yeah. Number four. It's, it's all there, buddy. thing down a mountain. Love it. Voted BC's number one public golf course by Score Golf. That seems like it's an annual thing, and mm-hmm. it's because it is. The 2022 tee sheet is open. Book today, graywolfgolf.com. Sure. Yeah, okay, well, fine. Do it. And don't be silly and wait around and say, oh, the... Yeah. Right, yeah. Don't do that. Get, come on now. Don't be showing up on a long weekend. Oh, you got any tee times in an hour? Come on, you months. Yeah, These things have been booked for two months. It's August long. You had your ass uh, on graywolfgolf.com back in March, and Boomer was telling you. There's just you uh, idiot. There's just nine of us. Could we get on, squeeze in somehow? <laughs> yeah, sure. It's a round number, right? Yeah, exactly. And then they'll hit you with a shovel. Mm-hmm. That's what they do there. Uh, last night, Flames lose to the San Jose Sharks. There's it's there's there's a lot to unpack from the game. There's uh, a goaltending performance that was very much unlike Jacob Markstrom. I asked you, and I don't know that there's an answer. Were you surprised to see? how wound up Markstrom was. I, 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 I feel like he's a fiery guy. I feel like he's the MVP of this team, if not Goudreau. Mm. I think that he's a leader in the yep. dressing room and of this team. We, we'd say it from time to time how there is no captain. Look, he's, he's as much a captain, I'm sure, in that room as, as anybody else. Um, but I, I wondered what was going on when Malosh just kind of taps the puck into the empty net. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, is it worthy of an unsportsmanlike penalty? I don't think so. It's a bit it's, of Richard behavior, it's but it's just, not that bad. Right. It's what it is. We've seen Kachuk do far worse sorts of things, uh, but it really rubbed Markstrom the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Let in a soft goal prior to, I think was a little more settled in the second, but not to try and make something out of nothing, but I do wonder if teams look at, at Markstrom and think, well, this is a guy who occasionally you can get a rise out of. Let's definitely make sure we go to the hard air, go to the paint, and see if we can get under his skin a little bit because it can happen. I mean, he's he's ultra competitive. Yeah, I, I don't know that going to doing those things makes him worse or throws him off his game. I just think he had a bad night. You like it. You like him being fiery and sticking out all of that until. Until that night happens. Until he's off his game and let's Or until he gets a call from George Perros. Some softies, yeah. We'll see if that happens. I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, don't either. It was pretty... Uh, it's like guessing Department of Player Safety is one thing. Like, good luck. But, um, it I looked mean, worse, crazier things right? have happened than him yeah. getting a call today, but also wouldn't be surprised if he didn't. I don't know. It's the Department of Players. Spin the wheel. They get a good start. Goudreau scores. I think early two producers ago, play. we had a yeah, wheel that spun. Maybe three producers ago. Um, actually, you know what? I think I still have the wheel. Do you have the wheel? Do you like the wheel? Well, I mean, so here's what happens. They're, they're going to gather this morning, George Peros and his crew, and yeah. say, okay, we're looking through. Look, we got a couple things flagged from last night's yeah. staff. We got, uh, okay, there's the 
reverse hit from Kachuk where he puts his took us right into okay elbow. Yeah, kind of caught the elbow on the mm, yeah, but his head's yeah, down. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. What else do we got? Well, oh look, this Mark show. Oh geez, wow, yeah, he was really fired up there. Okay, well, mm. is it suspension worthy, guys? Well, I mean, let's ask the wheel. Suspension, no suspension, no suspension. Oh. Almost clicked over to no suspension. Dang. Oh, there it is. There okay. you go. Good. What a break. Whew, almost yeah. two games. Yeah. Instead, no suspension. Almost, yeah. Gosh. So that's good. What kind of credentials do you need to spin the wheel? Never mind. I hear I answer that myself. Let me take a look. You can see who's working there. Uh, Dylan Dubé, not long ago, scratched for, a f- what, three games? Gets yep. back in and has, what, five points in the 10 games, I believe, since he's come back. That and was before last night. And really could have had more. He's been around it mm-hmm. for a number of games now, uh, skating, the pa- and made a great pass to Kachuk in the slot, mm. where Kachuk got that one-timer. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the lines. I kind of like them. I'm fine with them. I still think you are, are, meaning what? Because Kachuk played on two lines last night. As, as yeah, I, I mean it's the Kachuk on the top line with with Lindholm and, and Gaudreau. But I don't mind the way that it's stacked here because there's a you know Dubé scores Kachuk with the primary assist. It could have gone back the other way if Kachuk's a great playmaker. We saw you see it all the time with Johnny. He makes the pass on the Gaudreau goal. He makes the pass on the Gaudreau breakaway that turns up into a penalty shot. He and Johnny have something special for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Toffoli's probably going to need to produce a little bit more on that top line if it's going to be a long term thing. I don't think it is. But the original point being, if Dylan Dubé can settle into a top nine spot. Mm-hmm. It's a nice have. It's a it's it's major. With speed, uh, that and that's something that when you have Monahan, Lucic, Defoli, there's some guys that aren't fleet of foot. You need you guys that are to be playing well, not sitting in the press box. Yeah, he's been real good. I've liked him a lot. He's been around it a ton. And yeah, I mean, statistically, it hasn't really gone gangbusters, but you can see. Coach has put him in some bigger spots of late, and I, I've liked the way he responded, A, to the healthy scratching, and then B, to this new line they started in Saturday in, in Vancouver. And yeah, Kachuk's real good, and you know what you're getting from Backlund, but that's a lot more offense from that three than you might expect. And I think you can pick any number of coaches that are hard-nosed coaches, and I think Daryl falls into that category, but what I think is different with him, at least now, is I don't think Dubé is healthy scratched, and then is banished to the press box without a meeting, a description, mm-hmm. an explanation, a here's what we need to see, that sort of thing. I'm led to believe that the communication between coach, coaching staff, and player, and it's the same for uh, for Ruzichka, mm-hmm. but I know sometimes in the past there have been coaches here where you're left, did I have a good night or not? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm not playing tonight, so I guess last game was no good. Now what do I need to do to get back in? I'm not marching into the coach's office. I'm just going to be quiet. I'm going to shut my mouth and just, I guess, work out hard after practice or after morning skate and maybe get in. I think that Daryl is fond of the player. I think he sees the tools that the guy has. Mm-hmm. He needs them. He said so last and year. And does need them. Yeah. He said about Dubé and Valimaki. These guys have to take the next step or we're in trouble. Now one of them has, the other one hasn't. Yeah. Or at least one of them is in the process of doing it. Um, and then... Uh, what was I thinking? The other thing was, is, yeah, okay, so 
Red always said that Daryl was just great. You knew what your role was. And I think Dylan was just okay for a lot of the season. We've seen a few games under 10 minutes, 6 minutes, 9 minutes, 6.59. Like, if you look back, there's there's a few where he's just been fourth line. and Top nine playing well. And I don't know if you saw the comment. Cassie had a quote from uh, Dubé in one of the whistles in, in play that they threw up on a on a board on the broadcast. And it was... You know, has it been fun? Well, not necessarily fun, but like I know I'm a way better hockey player, and I needed to be pushed to get to this next level. Like, yeah. He he understands the process here. To your point, Daryl's not saying "boo you, go eat popcorn." He's saying you're going to watch a couple, and when you come back, here's what I want to see, and this is what I need from you. Yeah, and this is what the team needs you to do, and he's done it. I think he's, I, he's due for some puck luck, and he's got four points and ten shots in his last four games. Yeah, I he he's at that half point a game clip, and deserves. And it certainly deserves a little bit more. So it's great for him. I wonder what we'll end up seeing with Ruzichka moving forward because they do bring in Carpenter at the deadline. I would guess Carpenter gets in Friday. I, I would hope so. I don't think it's going to be hard. Effort last night. Won't be hard to find room for him. Question is going to be who comes out and is he playing center or wing? Don't want to do it again. We won't. No, but but I mean, listen. If if we're going to talk about the game last night, it was not a good game for Sean Monahan. We talked yesterday about plus minus. You can tack another minus two onto that team worst number that he has. He played nine forty four, three for seven in the face off dot. If if we're just if it's about merit and it's about competition and who's playing better, then he's one of the first guys you're Sean looking at. Sean Monahan being the center of that line and Carpenter being a center, that's the obvious swap. I don't know if it is There's, to your point, yeah. but probably more complicated than that. But to your point, just based on merit, uh, what is it? Sixteen games without a point at even strength. Fourteen games in a row with no points. What are you here for, Sean? The flip side is. If you're on the fourth line, your your role is probably not to score and it's not to get points, it's not to get scored on. But even last night, that line was on for the first two San Jose goals. Albeit both softies that the goalie would want, so yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's not going his way. Um, and you, you're you going to get Carpenter in? You, I'd hope so. You brought this guy in, so I don't know. You don't spend a fifth to see some guy eat popcorn for the last two months of the year when a back-to-back this weekend. Are you kidding me? Put him in. If you like him, you can use him again against Edmonton, or you bought some rest for somebody that maybe wasn't as sharp as they needed to be. We're now 63 games into the season, so it's a little bit different than when it's obviously 23 or 43, but the, the Flames, when they had that gauntlet of games when they were playing so much hockey. 8-13 and 13 to start March? Yeah. Milan Lucic and Sean Monaghan were everyday players. They've been in every game this season. Mm-hmm. So you could argue if there was going to be some load management, if you were going to earn a night off, maybe in a back-to-back, there's been opportunities to do so. But now you're in game 63. You'll play 64 and 65 in back-to-back nights Friday, Saturday. I wonder, do we start to see a bit of that now that there is, there's now with, I mean, Richardson's out, Carpenter comes back in. Richardson gone. But you've got. Richie's there. You've got Richie, you've got Carpenter. You've got Rizicka in the American League if you want to switch some things around. I still think the reason they've got Toffoli on that top line is because they wanted to break up that top line. I know Daryl said they they weren't as sharp, and I'd agree with that. There's been some flat spots of that group that was so dynamic. Um, I mean, when I guess the, the measuring stick is being the best line in the league, which they've been. Yeah. For a lot of the year. Uh, to to not be at that mark is probably not that hard, given that, you know. They got shut out twice in three games. So they switch it up, but I also think it's, uh, hey, we've got like a legit finisher 
in Tyler Toffoli, like a shooter, a natural scorer is what Daryl called him. Who's the centerman for the natural scorer? And yes, they got Yarncroke, but his profile is not that of like no, an elite distributor. And to be fair, it's been more of a winger than a center over the course of his career. So I think Daryl's still trying to figure out where these puzzle pieces all fit the best. And I used to think that was just the top nine, but now with Carpenter, I think also the fourth line comes into play. Mm-hmm. And certainly with Dubé graduating from the fourth line into the top nine. And I don't think it's crazy to think we could have Ruzicka back up playing the middle at some point. If they say, you know what, Yarncroft's been okay at center and he's good on draws, but boy, we really like him on a wing with Backlund and Coleman where we can just smother a top line. Like Tuesday's going to be interesting for me. They've got Colorado here. McKinnon line, who do you, we saw when McDavid came in a while ago, they put Lewis with Coleman and Backlund for the first time. Checking line, straight up, that's what they were. When you mm-hmm. put those three together, you know what the job description is. What are they going to do with Edmonton on Saturday? What are they going to do with Colorado on Tuesday? Do we see Yarncroke or center in the wing? I, I think they're going to move things around. And it's, a, again, a luxury you've got when you're ahead by as much as you are in the division. Try some things. Yeah. And then, and that's what I think we are seeing. And I, if, if I had to guess, I, yeah, do the Lewis, Backland, whoever on that. Coleman, on the other, yeah. Because it's it's McDavid, and you did it once already, and you mm-hmm. neutralized both he and Drysaddle in that game, and you won the game. If you can use your big line against Drysaddle's line, and use your checking line against McDavid's line, you're now going to ask Edmonton's depth to beat. You know, if it's the old lines, the likes of Manjapani to Foley that are in your bottom six. If you construct lines that way, yeah. but again, that was before they added Carpenter. That was before they added Yarncroke. Maybe Yarncroke becomes a winger on a checking line. I don't know. We'll see. You know you're in a hockey market when you're talking so much about a fourth line, but you don't have to go that far back. It was a week ago today when the Flames beat New Jersey 6-3, and we came in on Thursday morning, and all the clips post-game from Daryl were talking about how fond he was of that fourth line. Richie got a goal, Dubé got a goal, Lucic got a goal, they were in the forecheck, they were, they were impactful. And mm-hmm. that line can be impactful, well, and I, usually it's when, whenever Richie comes back from being out for a few games, mm-hmm. he comes in like a, like a house on fire and starts running around. Watching that fourth line last night, Not they, that. they gave you nothing in terms of energy, really. And so if you went Carpenter, Lewis, Richie, could you see that group running around creating havoc? Yeah. Sure. The problem is, is that you have hard conversations with Milan Lucic and Sean Monaghan. Yeah. I don't see both of those happening. One, maybe. I think uh, Pike had it on uh, social media last night. I think they have 19 games uh, remaining in the season, and it's basically every other day. There's going to be lots of Mm back-to-backs. Again, it's a luxury you've got. You may as well use it. I guess, but I guess what I mean is... You alternate those guys, not both at once? Is that what you're saying? Both guys have played every game. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. So to even, I think, to sit one... Is you're, that's now a that's a conversation between coach and player. Mm-hmm. That's a bridge you've not crossed yet, which is to tell Milan Lucic or Sean Monahan you're healthy, but you're not playing. Hundred percent. And it can be tough to the toothpaste is out of the tube. You you can't go back once you've done that. I don't think Daryl's afraid of of doing that by any means. No, but I think he's also aware of how it would affect a player's psyche. The and player, you're past the deadline. These this is your crew. You know, I guess give or take a Rajichka, Mackie up or down. Like this is your group. Yeah, you do have to be weary about how your decisions affect the room. But 
I also think you could use the excuse of, hey, we got two games of two nights. We're going to get everyone in. Everyone's going to play, Dean. All of our forwards are going to get in. And maybe if get a Michael Stone against Arizona to, if you feel like someone else needs a night, whatever. Yeah. I just think you have the luxury. I wouldn't be surprised to see this continual shuffling. They got to find out where the best fit is for Toffoli. They got to find where the best fit is for Yarn Croak. I still don't know where, where Dubé fits best. I've really liked his play. But as soon as he left the fourth line, it's been crap. So maybe do you put him back, understanding that it feels like a demotion, but that gets that line going? Yeah, I don't know. I To me, that that's Brett Ritchie's job. If he's in. You you get in on the fourth line and you bring that energy and all of that. If Dubé, He's the 14th forward now, though. That's the problem with Ritchie's. you got to take two guys out to get him in. If Dubé is going to give you some offense, not only is he going to score, but is also maybe going to help others score. Because Kachuk, uh, on a lot of nights, he scores off that pass into the slot. It was a great play. Mm-hmm. That was that was not a young. That was a smart play. I, you're going to get the offense from him as opposed to trying to energize a fourth line. That shouldn't be Dylan Dubé's job. But I know what you're saying. We'll break. We'll come back. Winnipeg Jets big win last night. The Vegas Golden Knights have lost back to back by way of shutout. It was uh, Connor Hellebuck with the honors last night. Uh, the Jets sold and bought. Not sure what, we'll, we'll see what Ken Weave, how he characterizes what the Jets did at the deadline and if he can handicap their run to a potential postseason berth as we sit here right now. They're on the outside looking in, but it's just a three-point, now games played and all of that, but it's not something insurmountable with 18 games to go. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Boomer in the morning is on right now. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Calgary. I do enjoy reading articles. Are you, are you a big reader? Yeah, a big reader. You a big uh, book learner? You into book learning? I like to, uh, you got guys like uh, our buddy Mark Spector up in Edmonton. Oh, Spector, yeah. Right? There's some good stuff that comes out of Toronto. Steve Simmons. Guys get invested and then yeah. uh, trade and then this guy. He's eating too many hot dogs. This guy's eating hot yeah. dogs. Can't let that happen. It's pro sports. Now, not our next guy because he's very even keel. Well, this guy's a pro, yeah. Very much a professional's pro. Uh, but there was a story written in Winnipeg after the trade deadline. And the now, again, the headline is one thing because the, they're, the guys, the girls, they don't write the headlines themselves. But the. Uh, that is a true fact, Dean. This opinion piece, it was titled Jets Half Ass Their Way Through the Trade Deadline. Ooh, sounds yeah. sassy already. So again, Ken Weeb would not, uh, even if he wrote the article, he wouldn't, uh, wouldn't have gone that. Uh, but this person says, the Shevel Day Off wasn't sure what to do, so he cut the baby in half, shipping one of his pending free agent forwards out, keeping Jeez. the other, uh, one foot in, one foot out. A, a strong take from uh, one of your colleagues, Ken Weeb, there in Winnipeg. Do you see it uh, similarly, uh, looking at the work that was done? Because again, cop leaves... They bring back Mason Appleton. Uh, a little, some staying, some going. He did kind of do both. Yes, uh, boom. Uh, great to be with you and Ryan, uh, my colleague. Uh, yes, and former coworker at the Winnipeg Sun, Paul Friesen, uh, weighing in there for sure. He did not write the headline, but uh, that was the gist of the column. Uh, I think if you're a player on the Winnipeg Jets, you kind of were seeing a few mixed messages. Uh, I would say it's accurate that I mean they obviously were not in an all-in situation when you're. 10th in the uh, in the division, I guess now in the, in the conference of points percentage, 
you're not expecting to be trading first rounders for uh, rentals mm-hmm. like you maybe had been before. But uh, I think this is sort of the fact that they didn't go all in on the retooling on the fly, I think maybe was a slight surprise, guys. But uh, overall, I mean, they had to move Andrew Kopp. They got a pretty significant return. But I mean, again, in, in the uh, instant uh, gratification society we live in, uh, if you're not going to see Morgan Barron until next season and you're not going to see the second round picks for three years and you're not going to see that second round pick that could turn into a first if Igor Shesterkin gets hot and wins two rounds. Uh, in the short term, the Jets did not get better, but they did backfill with you know players that can help them stay in the race. So, I mean, a guy like Zach Sanford, a pending UFA, is a bit of a head scratcher on the surface, but if he's a guy you're familiar with from his time with the St. Louis Blues and winning a Stanley Cup, Maybe that's a guy you can convince for a team that hasn't had enough heaviness up front. And uh, when it comes to Mason Appleton, he's a guy who's familiar to the team and uh, sort of helps offset the loss of cops. So uh, it it was an interesting tact for sure. But, uh, I mean, the Jets did not get significantly better, but they also would have been a lot worse if Paul Stastny had also been on the move. And then you're trying to replace uh, two top nine forwards on the fly. Uh, That would have been a uh, sign of waving the flag, if you will, of surrender the question on cop because obviously as you sit here in march of 2022 the smart the, the, you know the smart thing seems to be logical you you move him as an unrestricted free agent now going back a year it seemed like he was a guy that wanted to stay in winnipeg that could have signed long term but it didn't work for them financially can you kind of rewind the tape for us and take us back a year is that the scenario that existed Absolutely, boom. Uh, Andrew Kopp's a guy with a lot of sweat equity in this organization. Fourth-round pick in 2013. He did want to be part of the uh, solution. Uh, There's no doubt about that. Uh, The reason it was difficult, yes, there probably would have been a few things on the financial side that got uh, were not totally locked down, but he was interested in signing a five-year deal. He was looking at houses. He wanted to be the next guy to sign up, but uh, the Jets chose to sign Neil Pionk. Uh, to the extension, and then went out and got Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt. So any of that available uh, cash flow for that long-term uh, deal ended up kind of being used elsewhere, and it was used in an area where the Jets had an obvious deficit. A uh, back end is a, was a big problem the last two years. Uh, you know, I personally think it was a mistake. I think the Jets could have bridged Neil Pionk. I'm not just saying that with the benefit of hindsight, but the other part of the, that issue is Neil Pionk was the Jets' best defenseman for the last two years. Um, with the way things went, you know, obviously Josh Morrissey going through a tough time emotionally uh, with, with his father being ill and eventually passing. So uh, you understood the reasoning behind it, but I think the Jets had more depth on the back end. Uh, and I think, I think they could have got away with a bridge with Pionk. And when that happened, uh, there was no money available for Cop. So Cop took the one-year deal, bet on himself like he has his entire career. And uh, it was pretty evident that the Jets kind of missed the boat on their opportunity to sign him to a long-term deal. So when that was the case and you knew he wasn't coming back, then uh, they kind of viewed it as having no choice. But, I mean, some people think, oh, this goes back to arbitration. It didn't go well. He was going to leave. Well, Andrew's a very emotional guy. He dealt with that situation, shared his feelings on it, but he was still willing to stay. So uh, this was a positional choice by the Jets, and, I mean, we'll see how it turns out. And, again, I mean, Morgan Barron, a guy that uh, you guys know what it's like when – Trades like this happens, uh, every, everybody becomes a Morgan Barron expert, even though they've probably never seen him take a single shift at the collegiate or AHL or NHL level. So he has some cop-like qualities, a little bit more size, probably not as much speed. Went to Cornell, smart guy, uh, you know, see in a year or two, and then we'll assess.
Well, you went to Cornell too, right? You're a smart guy. <laughs> go Big well, Red. Yeah. yeah, you guys. Are... Yeah, yeah. I had that opportunity to go to Brown, but I just didn't quite pan out. You know, the scholarship wasn't quite. It didn't quite. Uh, yeah. Crush the SATs, as you know. You know, last one from me on COP, because I think fans, media, you can get a little bit too invested. And you find players that play for your team, and you, you like them, you're fond of how they play, and then you take a step back and you kind of assess, well, the guy's a third liner, maybe you can replace a third liner. But, man, anytime I watched the Jets, I came away impressed with with how Cop played. Just the, the, you know, there's some goal-scoring ability. He can play center wing. He can move around. Just felt like he was always in the as the, the fabric of the game. He was always a guy. And, it's man, for, for Winnipeg, and it's not a shot, but you get a guy who plays hard and wants, wants to, be to be there, there and enough. all of that, it, it, it does, it feels like that kind of compounds things even more, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. And, you know, he grew into such an important leader. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, had to, he was a walk-on with the U.S. National Development Program because he was a high school quarterback and he, you know, was always kind of overlooked. He, instead of taking a scholarship at the, you know, somewhere else, he went as a walk-on to the University of Michigan. And by the third year, he was the captain of the Wolverines, you know. So uh, he's a difficult guy to replace. I mean, yes, the debate is always, is he, you know, top six, middle six, you know, where does he fit best? I mean, his last game as a jet, he moves back to his natural position of center and gets three assists, you know, and uh, he's a guy that I think wore this stretch of time really emotionally. I mean, he, his production dipped a little bit in the 15 games before he was traded and just one goal, but, you know, he kind of just let his hair let loose in that last game and played great hockey. Uh, he'll be tough to miss. I think they had to basically, like I said, he, he plays in all situations too. Second power play, first penalty kill, you know, 20 minute game players are hard to find, especially, for the guys that dig in, I mean, similar to a Blake Coleman guy, the kind of guy that was appealing to a ton of teams at the deadline, uh, he'll be missed in Winnipeg for sure. And um, I mean, it always comes down to what those guys are worth on the on, in the pocketbook, right? I mean, are, are you Zach Hyman? Are you getting 5.5, or are you getting closer to you know 4.5 or five? I mean, that was always the where do you slot in and where do you slot in on a, a really good team? But I mean, this is a guy that's going to be missed. I mean, he's a very important contributor and. Uh, he's going to be tough to replace uh, for the Jets, both on and off the ice, I would say. Okay, so give us the big picture here. Uh, Paul Maurice walked away. They've done a little bit of both. They, they've got some futures, but also, you know, as you said, backfilled the roster to make sure that they don't completely wipe out their postseason chances. What does the schedule look like? How do you handicap their ability to sneak into one of these wild cards? Yeah, Ryan, I mean, the math still isn't great. It, uh, as you know, I mean, even though they're only three points behind the Dallas Stars, Dallas has two games in hand. So uh, they need to go on a serious heater. This is a team that's only won. Their longest winning streak is four games, and the, they've only won three in a row one other time. So, uh, And that came in early January. So they're in a stretch where they play four consecutive games against non-playoff teams after going 2-0 and at the start of the stretch, including in a, a critical one against Vegas. Uh, you know, you're not you're not uh, you're not betting the farm on it, but I mean, <laughs> you saw the te- you didn't see the template last night, but you saw a big critical piece of what will be required for the Jets to go on a kind of 15 and five run to end the year. Uh, Connor Hellebuck back into vintage form. We know it's been a little bit of an up and down time for him, at least in terms of the raw numbers. His uh, underlying numbers, the goals saved above expected, are still pretty good, but it hasn't been a Vesna Lake season for Hellebuck, but. Uh, it was a Vesna Lake performance and a vintage performance with those 42 saves for his fourth shutout. 
Um, their offense is back where we're used to seeing it, back in the top half of the league after residing in the bottom third for a good chunk. Nikolai Ehlers has been dynamite, guys. I mean, back for 10 games now. He's got uh, six goals and 11 points, goals and five in a row. Kyle Connor's got an eight-game point streak and up to 79 points. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois' engagement level continues to be incredibly high. And, mm. you know, last night, Mark Shifley uh, got himself going again. I mean, offensively, Mark has been... Uh, back to being a big contributor. I mean, there's still some times where, um, you know, he's not going into the most difficult areas, uh, you know, but uh, he's finding a way to produce. So when those guys get going, they can be effective. They can make it interesting. And another thing too, I mean, I should mention, you know, obviously Calgary product, Adam Lowry has done an awesome job of getting his season turned around. He's, he's got six goals in 11, in 11 games as well, really getting things going, uh, playing some great hockey right now. And I'm looking. They got but, Ottawa, Columbus, Arizona, Buffalo in their next four. Yeah. I mean, this is the time. You got a lot of Colorado. You still got to do that swing through Florida. Um, like there, there's some tough ones ahead, but this is the stretch. You make things interesting in the next four, or forget about it. It kind of looks like from here. Bang on. Yeah, that, that's a much more concise way of what I was trying to get to, Ryan. For sure. Uh, yeah, you're bang on. I mean, they they have a tough finish to the year. Um, as you guys also know from seeing what happened last night, I mean, it's the time of the year when those non-playoff teams, they look like the two free points on the bingo card and, you know, they're playing laissez-faire style with no consequences. So they can sometimes sneak out a victory, but no, I mean, the Jets want to make a run. They got to, they got to basically, they need points in all four and you probably need to win all four because after that, it's going to get tough. I mean, they've got, a ton of games against, you know, like I think we got two more against Colorado and, and like you said, Carolina, you know, Tampa and Florida. They got the Flames that last week of the season. I mean, if they don't get it done now, they are, uh, you know, they're going to be toast. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I was looking in April. You've got that Florida, Tampa Bay, Carolina road trip. Oh, the old gauntlet there. Which is, uh, yeah. from personal experience here, we can tell you, not a lot of fun. <laughs> Bring your sunglasses, but don't uh, expect to bring many points on. Oh, Weebs, if you're going, you'll have a great time. Uh, the coach, maybe not so much. <laughs> no, totally fair. I mean, I personally enjoy all of those cities, and, you know, they're going to toss in a, a trip to Broadway on the side so yeah. against the team that's really got themselves mm-hmm. going. And, oh, by the way, if you're looking to replace Andrew Cobb, how does he look on a Rangers team that's one of the contenders in the East, right? Yeah. So Only two helper, uh, only two assists last night, I think, is what he uh, ended up chalking up. So Yeah, five, five well. points in his last two games. Yeah. Not bad. You know, remember that big drought that I had? Well, they've kissed that one goodbye quite quickly. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the thing with the Jets, we know, is always comes down to defensive zone play, which has been uh, fairly porous. Uh, their puck management at times a disaster. Yesterday, uh, in, in, in a high urgency game, they got outshot 17-4 in the first. Uh, it was 22-4 at one point before the Jets uh, kind of looked up and and got themselves a power play goal, which was a bit of a fortuitous bounce. But after that, they kind of found their way and, and really kind of you know landed the plane, I guess, uh, which is what they needed. Uh, they know they can't play that way if they want to win those games and go on a run. But, you know, it's the time of year where the old, it doesn't matter how, it's how many points you can throw in the piggy bank. So uh, I'm fascinated to see how this turns out. I mean, this is, there's a big game coming up on Friday with a, a return of a, a certain popular winger uh, who happens to be hot hmm. himself uh, in Patrick Laine. So it's going to be an interesting week here. Uh, I'm fascinated to see how the Jets handle the goalie situation. I mean, I would have figured... Going into the week, Eric Comrie was almost a lead pipe lock to be starting Thursday, but now Hellebuck plays his best game of the season. Do you want to ride him 
do you go Comrie Thursday and do you go Hellebuck versus Line A Friday or do you let them play both and then give Comrie the Arizona Coyotes on Sunday? I mean, uh, Dave Lowry and Wade Flaherty have an interesting uh, call ahead of them in the goaltending front as well. But uh, looking forward to that line again. I mean, the Jets went to Columbus. Liney was hurt and had just dealt with the death of his father, so he wasn't in the lineup. And since that time, when with him coming back, he's he's been one of the most prolific uh, you know, scorers in the NHL again, which is which is what made him exciting to watch during his tenure here in Winnipeg. Just looking, I mean, there's a lot of guys locked in here, like Wheeler, Connor, Shifley, Ehlers, Lowry. Your entire uh, blue line core of seven players, everyone's locked in for this year, plus another two more. The only real big decision, or at least. Uh, Interesting conversation they have to have will will likely be this summer with Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's shown you a bit of everything since he arrived from Columbus. What does that discussion look like? What are the how, how does that go? And, and give us maybe the range of, of Pierre-Luc Dubois that you've seen since he arrived. Yeah, it's been interesting, guys. You know, obviously with the Flames being among the teams kicking the tires last season, I mean, uh, Pierre-Luc had a tough, tough goal last year, no doubt, but uh, that is a distant memory around these parts. Uh, He's been awesome for the for the Jets. I mean, he scored his 25th yesterday. He's on pace to you know set career highs there. Um, he, he's among the league leaders in penalties drawn. He's among the league leaders in you know five on five high danger chances created. Um, and he's just been awesome. And honestly, guys, he's he's got future captain written all over him. He's his investment level also is extended off the ice. He's you know part of the the, the classic at the podium yesterday when I asked about. Connor, he said, "Oh, you mean Casey?" Like he made a cracking jokes about, you know, Hellbuck sitting right beside him. The only guy, the reason the guy was in the game, and he's he's cracking jokes, and uh, he, he's a really valuable piece. I would say the Jets would love to, you know, I, I think this is also a guy who, after the way things ended in Columbus, wants to plant the flag here, and I see him going, you know, again, the, unless he doesn't want to go eight years because they're worried about a flat cap scenario. I can't see how he's not the next guy to sign a seven or eight year deal and. Uh, I wrote in my 2022 predictions, I think he's going to sign the richest contract in Jets history here. I know he hasn't been a point of game player, but uh, he's involved in so many areas. I think he's he's looking at, you know, eight at north of eight probably. So um, as long as he wants to go that long in term, I think the two sides are going to definitely find a pathway. And uh, back to the defense, they need to find room for Billy Hanela and probably Dylan Sandberg. So I would expect that one of those defensemen, veteran defensemen, is going to be on the move this summer. And if if, you, if they're not, then some of those prospects are going to be on the move to bolster the uh, you know, forward group. Ken Weeb joining us uh, from Winnipeg with Sportsnet. Looking, at, you're without Nikolai Ehlers for a good chunk of the season. That's what is that? Thirty goals, maybe flirt with forty. Uh, he looked so mm-hmm. good early on. So I'm just, I'm just looking at goals for goals against. I, and I watch what's happened here in Calgary. They kept the band together for the most part. The additions that they brought in weren't sexy, but they adopted a new style of play. And I just wonder when you have Connor Hellebuck in net. And, and you look at the D course, well, could it be deeper, stronger? Sure. But if, is there a way that Dave Lowry can find a way? And now it's about, you know, they shut out Vegas last night and that's, that's one game, but is there a way now with whatever it is, 18, 20 to go that you can spend some attention to detail defensively because between that power play and who they can put out there and now Ehlers is back. Can you instead of winning 4 nothing, is it in them to be able to win some 2-1, 3-2 hockey games, play some tight hockey down the stretch? I think they can, Boom. And I mean, that's always been the goal. And that's always been the, the, the infuriating part for the coaching staff, I guess, outside of the run to the Western Conference Final in 2018. That, that commitment level just hasn't been at a high enough uh, rate. I mean, 
we saw it in Calgary last year. It was a challenge to get you know bought in when Daryl took over, but now they're yielding the huge results. I mean, we know there's a huge connection with Dave and Daryl. They're not you know the same person, but they have similar principles and they want the team to play the same way. So uh, I do see it's possible. And I mean, not having Ehlers for 19 games, I mean that's a quarter of a season, and I mean he's already up to 19 goals, even though he missed a quarter. So. Yeah, I mean, you're, they're missing a huge chunk of their offense, and he's their most dynamic player. That's the other part of it, you know, even though Kyle Connor's been dynamite. So uh, if they can just kind of dig in defensively, yes, I mean, it is possible. But, again, this team's been so wildly inconsistent. They're at the stage of the season where they have to show you they can do it. It's one thing to say you can do it, but now they got to dig in and show you. So uh, I do think it is possible, but, I mean, it's still, it's still in long-shot territory. But with Ehlers, it changes the complexion so much. And I honestly think that's also part of the other reason why the Jets didn't, uh, you know, totally embrace the re- retool on the fly and and go all in on the trade deadline. But that's why they use the backfill method. And if you're Kevin Chimble Day after thinking, man, if I had this team the whole year, we'd be in, right? I mean, the other big thing with the Jets, they've got 10 extra time losses, right? I mean, this was a team that dominated in that stretch by going with three forwards last year but not having Ehlers also impacted them in that area. So, uh, you know, it's a big challenge, but, I mean, they're certainly not throwing in the towel, and it'll be interesting to see how this group responds because, back to Ryan's original point, with so many guys under contract, uh, I've got news for you. This was another vote of confidence for the core. If the core doesn't get the job done, it's going to be time to change the core again. And you know what? If there's a fan base or people listening that can appreciate where the Jets are at and where Shevel Dayoff is at, it's here in Calgary. You're a few points out of the playoffs. If you don't trade your expiring UFAs and then miss the playoffs, you get roasted. If you trade yeah. them when you could have, ex- you should have got that deal done a year ago, and now you get roasted. It's a, it is a tough spot for sure. Um, I just wonder. It feels like Dallas has kind of found something, don't you think? I wasn't sure that Ottinger was going to be able to play. He's he's taken over there. That goaltending thing has been kind of weird for them all season. And all of a sudden, Sagan, who looked like he was, you know, this guy's just going to make $9 million or whatever it is for the rest of time and not really contribute. They've, they've really kind of come around there. And Pavelski's back. I worry about them a little bit heading down the stretch. Yeah, for sure, Boom. And obviously the Jets can't make it unless they pass Dallas, uh, which is a challenge, right? I mean, I would say that in that race, I think L.A., especially if Dowdy's out for the rest of the year, they could fade a little bit, but it won't matter. The Jets can't finish sixth and make it. They're going to have to pass either Dallas or Nashville. So uh, I agree. I mean, Dallas is sort of that feast or famine team, much like the Jets have been. Uh, they, you know, sometimes they don't score enough, but I mean, when they get good enough goaltending and, and you guys know from the playoff series, they drill into the details defensively and that's when they're at their very best. So uh, they're sort of setting the standard right now. They're going to get Haskin in back, which is a huge boost. I mean, no, he's not playing at the Roman Yossi, Kale McCarr level, but uh, still one of the top, you know, put top 10 defensemen in the NHL. Uh, they've got enough scoring. They're, they're a team that has a lot of experience, and they've got playoff experience. So they're kind of hardened down the stretch run, and I, I don't think they're going to fade. They're going to uh, the Jets are going to have to catch them. And the fact that all four of their games went to extra time that hurts the Jets because they missed two opportunities to kind of get gain points on them. But uh, fascinating time. You're right. I mean, for all those folks that thought, oh, well, what's Brad doing? Well, Brad Trilliving, all he's done is uh, you know basically won the trade deadline and got himself back up into consideration for general manager of the year. So uh, we'll see what, what happens down the stretch here and you know playoffs, uh, what matters to the Flames and if the Jets can make it. But 
uh, fun time of year. We love uh, love going down the stretch run, and I'll be very curious to see how it all uh, pans out. There's no doubt about it. I'd be fine with the Jets-Flames series. I'd be just fine with it. Let's go. You As would I. Yes, yeah. so you guys know. If I, only, I, 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 yeah. I missed my trips to Calgary this year. There's no doubt about I that. I hear Winnipeg and May is breathtaking. Well, take the show there, dude. Pender, it, it, it really is. You should take the show on the road. I'd be happy to... to uh, I share a chair most of those days. That well, you're here. you know what? I think Flames would have home ice, I think, in that series. So mm-hmm. you come here for games one and two, and then we'll revisit. Deal. All right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. deal. We'll, we'll deal. do that. You can regale us with your stories of holes in one. And yeah. Maybe we could even golf. I love it. <laughs> we'll take you for steak, and then Winnipeg will go to Mitzi's for chicken fingers or something like that, maybe for Salisbury. Is Salisbury House still a thing? Is that still going? It is still going, nice. yes, I believe so. Yeah. But we we, uh, we can go to, I think we can find a few other places as well. Go see Burton Cummings, hang out. <laughs> nice. You might, yeah, you yeah, might. Good stuff. Hey, Waves, good to talk to you, buddy. Be good, all right? Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, have a tremendous day here and enjoy the stretch run. Thank you. Yeah. There's Ken Weeb out in Winnipeg. Jets last night beating the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. It's it's one, obviously, between, between the Jets and a playoff spot, you've got the Vegas Golden Knights, but the Dallas Stars... They 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 can pass Dallas uh, Vegas. That's fine. You got to reel somebody in here that's in a spot. Are they going to catch Nashville? Are they going to catch Dallas? That's that's a tough ask. But as we said, okay, they've won four of five and six of eight, and now they got Ottawa, Columbus, Arizona, Buffalo. Because remember, at the start of the year, when the Flames saw them and Jamie Ben came in and they scored in overtime in a game that really it felt like the Flames deserved to win in regulation. Mm-hmm. The thing was there, and uh, the coaching staff, everybody saw it. They couldn't find a way to win past regulation. They were, they still, they have twenty. They have twenty three regulation wins. They have thirty five, but twenty three of them. That's that's well back of just about everybody that's in that playoff picture. Um, but you start to throw in a couple of extra points. They've, they've been really good here for a while. They are 21-8-1 at home. 21 home wins. Flames have 19. Oilers have 19. Dallas rolling. Dallas rolling. Without Haskinen, yeah. That's, and, what, and what they do? They added Wedgwood at the deadline? Was yeah, well, they, got, they had four goalies to start. Three are on IR. Bishop, Hadobin. And now Holtby. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, breaking. The we'll come dog. back. Now, hour three, we'll have what you want to talk about. We'll talk snow show for lose. Mm. And uh, we'll look around the league. I'm not sure. Texas, Texas. I'm not getting a lot of. Uh... It's sleepy. It shouldn't be. Sleepy. Got things to do. Got all the radio stations out there. He's got to do, do hands. Yeah. Yeah, We'll see. Uh, hour three next. Sportsnet 960, the fan.